0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a Kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Well, good morning, Downtown family. It's good to be with you and to be able to bring God's word to you. I want to, before I do that, before we go to our text this morning, I really want to give a big shout out to um, to our team. Uh, Rebecca, I am looking forward to children's sermons every week, so thank you for the time and effort that you're putting into that, and I know many people are. Um, Adriana and the worship team, all the singers, you're doing an incredible job. Um, I don't know if people understand uh, how much time and attention to detail and uh, just organizational skills Adriana is having to utilize during this time, but uh, it's, it's, it's an immense project uh, to pull off what she's pulling off. And just uh, the hymn this morning, Holy, 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 with all the voices that were incorporated, um, was created over about a 12-hour span. Um, so it, it might look easy. Uh, you might think, oh, technology, it's no big deal. Uh, Adriana is working, and she is um, uh, working hard, and so is her team, the musicians, uh, they're having to re-record, so big shout out, thank you, thank you to Kyle Topkin, who's putting in so many more hours, um, and and just our entire team, I just can't tell you how grateful I am to be working uh, with the people that I get to work with um, throughout the week, so thank you. Uh, But let's now turn our attention to Isaiah. We're going to continue our walk through Isaiah during the pandemic because it seems so providential that God has led us here. Uh, This seems to be the book that we need and the message that we need during this time. And this morning is no different. Isaiah chapter 6, pull it up on uh, your tablet, your phone, uh, your Bible, and and let's hear God's word, verses 1 through 8. send me. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, we thank you this morning that you're a God that meets with your people. You are not a God that is far off, but you're a God that dwells not only among us, but in us. And so I pray this morning that you would do a mighty work to stir us up I pray that just as you uh, shook the thresholds and the door frames and the foundations of um, the very temple of God, that day in which Isaiah encountered you, uh, that, oh God, you would shake our hearts. Uh, We need you to come down and we need you to show us and to give us a message of hope. We need you to speak in the midst of this uncertainty and give us yourself, the very one who is certain. And so, God, we beg you to come. We beg you to use your word. May it go far and wide throughout not only Memphis, but the the, the nation and the world today. Reach many with the message of your gospel that you might get glory and that your people might get good. And Father, as I pray, I also think of my brother uh, Michael Davis and uh, Serena and little MJ. I think of uh, them as they will go to the hospital next Friday morning to, um, to, to bring into the world little Elijah. Um, oh God, I pray that you would uh, put your hand upon Serena, that you would, um, that you would govern the process, oh God, that, uh, that you would bring Elijah into this world healthy and strong, uh, that Father, you would protect Serena during this time. Help Michael to be a sense of tremendous encouragement. Uh, Lord, just bless their family and prepare them for this little one. Uh, God, we give them to you, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, how are you doing? (laughs) That's a question that I'm sure you've been asked um, many times. It's a question that we actually sent out to you uh, through our survey this week and if you haven't completed the survey you can go to our website and or excuse me the realm and do that um, after the sermon uh, sometime this afternoon um, but in asking that over 70 of us have already answered the question and most of us are saying we're doing well uh, most of us the overwhelming majority 80 90 percent of us are doing great just just fine and, and I would answer that question in the same way however if I were really honest, if, if I were really um, vulnerable and transparent, there's a whole lot more going on under the surface of my heart and my life during this pandemic. And I find myself at times being caught off guard by it. Um, I was in a meeting this week with some of our staff and we were planning for this service and, and future services. And somebody brought up uh, a great idea And I found myself experiencing internal irritability, Um, and it wasn't at the person. It it was a good idea, Uh, but it really caught me off guard. I found myself, I felt like the walls were closing in. I I felt like I really wanted to get off the call, and and I kind of shut down and did get off the call as quickly as I possibly could. And we're told that uh, our feelings are uh, really the language of our soul, um, and so I knew I needed to listen. Uh, I knew I needed to, to do a little work and, and see what was going on inside of me, and, and I've done that this week, and what I've um, kind of mined in my heart as, I, as I've dug deep into that irritability is a deep longing for certainty, <laughs> a deep longing for predictability, a deep longing to know that something in my life is going to go as planned. Um, What I found is I didn't want any more change. In fact, I literally couldn't even handle any more change emotionally. And friends, as I process that reality in this text and through this text, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, I want you to know that I really believe that there are answers because what I think this text is telling us, and certainly what it told me this week, is, is this. What I want is who God is. <laughs> what I want is the very one who is my God. He is reigning on his throne, and he is for me, and he loves me. That's what this passage is telling the original audience. We see it from the start. You say, where? The very first words, in the year King Uzziah died, means nothing to us because we didn't live in that context, in that historical uh, period and season. And yet it meant so much to the original readers. What what Isaiah was saying from the, the start, out of the gate, was this was a time of deep uncertainty because Uzziah was a tremendous king. He got on the throne when he was at the age of 16 and he reigned 52 years. And and throughout those years, he established uh, a strong, thriving economy Um, through his innovative agricultural uh, efforts um, and projects, through his innovative building projects, uh, even in constructing a a national defense um, that brought tremendous peace to the nation for decades um, this was a king who brought deep certainty and stability to the people but now he's dead and and they're wondering what's gonna happen next And, and you see they got so used to the king of Judah that they forgot who the real king was you see what happened is what happens to us oftentimes in, in seasons of real prosperity, in seasons of real predictability, the prosperity and the predictability become our king in place of God. And God becomes one that we use to bring us to ensure the prosperity and the certainty. That's what happened with the people of God. Uh, we, we, we see that um, in as in, in 2 Chronicles 26.16, um, the chronicler is telling us about um, Jotham, um, the, the king, Uzziah's son, who followed him as king. And he was a good king, but listen to uh, what he says, his cultural analysis of the people at that time. 2 Chronicles 26.16, But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You see, friends, what Isaiah um, did was, excuse me, that was 2nd Chronicles twenty-six sixteen. Um, at the end of, of Isaiah's reign, um, he began to be steeped in pride um, and, and beginning to think that he could be one that uh, did the job of the, God's leaders in his church better than they. Um, and, and what we see in this passage is that, that uh, Uzziah got to a point in his life where he really felt like because he experienced success in business, because he experienced su- success in his political realm, that certainly he could do the church better than the church leaders could do the church. And that pride and that arrogance um, filtered into the lives of God's people. And they began to operate with the same kind of mentality and the same kind of pride. And that's what's being evidenced here in 2 Chronicles 2. As Jotham takes the throne, Uzziah's son, we read this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, Jotham, just as his father Uzziah had done, but unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. The people, however, continued their corrupt practices. What we see here is that Uzziah had set a precedence and that he had made the people, he had brought prosperity, but they got so used to the prosperity that they had to have it in order to survive. And so, in, the ta- in, in, a, in a time of great uncertainty, they continued these corrupt practices. What are the corrupt practices about? What is that pointing to? It's pointing to uh, little practices in their lives that they are all justifying for the God of prosperity and economic advancement. In the midst of the uncertainty, they are breaking the rules in order to ensure that their God of economic prosperity stays on the throne. Do you, can you relate to that right now? <laughs> can you see yourself? We're seeing it in corporations. Um, uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse just gave back 10 or $20 million that, um, that they uh, received in the, uh, the government's PPP loan. Why? Because they realized that their motivations were wrong. Actually, they got exposed and they gave it back. Um, Shake Shack, other... Uh, others gave back money uh, because they realized that they were being corrupt. They realized that, that they were they were worshiping a God that they shouldn't be worshiping. And friends, we can certainly uh, relate to that. And God comes to Judah in the midst of the, all of this uncertainty, and he says, friends, it's not economic prosperity that, that is going to carry you through. It, it's not even a Um, a a cure to the coronavirus that's going um, to give you the kind of certainty that you need. But it is the King of Kings sitting on the throne of your heart. It's the King of the universe. It's the Lord of hosts reigning on high. You need an encounter. I need an encounter with the God of glory. And we need to be reoriented in this day of real disorientation to who is king and who is the one that we can genuinely entrust our lives to. And that's the message of this passage. What we need is an encounter with God like Isaiah had. You need an encounter with God. Let me me illustrate it a little bit like this and, and, and kind of the reason we need this encounter. I have a, a friend um, who recently married and it surprised me because this was a girl who, who had always said that she would never get married, that she just didn't have any need for men. She didn't need a man to, to complete her in her life. And 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 she was so convincing and, and uh, she was so emphatic about it that I believed her. And yet, she got married you know she was the one that would uh, mock the other women when they fell in love when they got eaten up with love for a man she would be the one to mock them and 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 just say how sickening it was all the pictures on instagram and the fact that all they could talk about and now she got married and all of her pictures are, are of she and her husband and all the adventures that they're taking what happened love went from being a concept to being an encounter, an experience. And that's what we need with God. It is so easy to put God in a box when He is a concept, but when we have an encounter with Him, there is something that happens. We move from, from having God as concept and one we can control to one that we worship when He becomes an experience and a reality. This is what happened to Isaiah. At the end of our passage in verse 8, he says, Here am I, send me. His whole life, the very center of his life is reoriented toward this God. But why? Because God went from being an object of of his theology to being an object of his worship. his, his, uh, His adoration. God became one who overcame his his affections and you say oh well i'm simply above being converted but friends you've been converted by many other loves in your life i look at my own life if you had told me you know 40 years ago that i would love plays and musicals i would have told you you're crazy but what happened i had three daughters who love plays and musicals and now i choose to watch plays and musicals why because i was converted my affections were changed. You may be a vegan now, but you once ate meat. You probably, while you were eating meat, never thought you could be a vegan. What happened? You were converted, and that's what happens. Maybe you just haven't had the kind of experience with God that, that can bring the kind of conversion that you need and I need. And I'm not just speaking to the skeptic or um, the one who has yet to believe or doesn't believe. I'm speaking to the Christian. That's what the Psalms does in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When is God exalted? When, is God, when does he become uh, the king of our, our hearts? When do we knock off all the other rival kings on the throne of our hearts? When we are still and we know. This Hebrew word know is, is, the, is the essence of intimacy. It, it's, Cain, it's excuse me Adam knowing Eve and the resulting uh, uh, fruit being uh, Cain and Abel. <laughs> it is a sexual term. Be still and know in the deepest possible, complete and comprehensive possible way that I am God. Here's the the truth. Satan, the devil, your flesh, um, is not threatened at all by God as a concept. He's not at all threatened with church attendance, he's not at all threatened with you watching this um, this live stream this morning but what he is threatened by and what our flesh is threatened by what the old man is threatened by is a genuine personal encounter with the living god because no one meets god in that way and stays the same and that's what we need right now look at it let's simply walk through the passage Isaiah encountered God in a real way. And what happened? He saw first God as king. I saw the Lord, where? Sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple. He is sitting on a throne. The throne is reserved for one person. No one sat on that throne except the the rightful uh, owner, the king himself. And if anyone dared sit on that throne off with their heads and yet what Isaiah saw was one high and lifted up above the heavens, above the earth. And he is seated on a throne. Where is God right now? He is on his throne. We need to know that God is not threatened by this pandemic. God is not threatened by economic collapse. God is not threatened in any way. He is on His throne, and He is reigning. And He is a God who reigns perfectly and wisely. He has purpose in this moment. He is working good in this moment. And He's not going to show it to us. He's just going to simply do it. He is doing good in your life right now. He is working in your life because He is King on his throne. Secondly, God, Isaiah sees God as present among his people. His the train of his robe fills the temple. The the temple was the very presence of God among his people, but it was so much more. Alec Mortier in his commentary on Isaiah said this. He said the temple is no mere symbol of his indwelling presence. It's the reality of it. The temple was the reality of God's indwelling presence God now does not just reign high above us he reigns in us by his spirit he, he reigns personally in our hearts and lives and that's the kind of God that we need we need an experience of a God who is near us who is for us who is in us who does not stand far off but is among us because he is king and then thirdly, we need a God who is worshiped. Isaiah encounters a God as worshiped. I, I'm always captivated, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I, I'm always captivated by uh, the scene of presidents and world leaders when they're gathered together. And it's mostly for funerals. Uh, that's when you know, we typically see world leaders gathered in a church and in a worship service. Um, but it always just captivates me because it, it reminds me that even world leaders must sit at the feet of Jesus. Even world leaders, they, have to, they, they need to fulfill the purpose of worshiping the Lord of hosts. Well, guess who is worshiping the God of heaven and earth, the Lord of hosts, in this vision that Isaiah had? It's not world leaders. It's the seraphs the seraphim Uh, the, the the name seraph means burning ones these angels are literally burning for the glory of god they are literally burning in praise of who and what he is now this is hard to believe if you were an angelic being is this what you would choose to do if you were an angelic being if you were a seraph. Uh, in the universe, is this what you would choose to spend your time doing? And I have to say, no, unless you had no choice, unless you were utterly captivated by God himself. And that's the point. They could do no other but cry to one another, holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, The whole earth is full of his glory. They see him as holy. Isaiah experienced him as holy, holy, holy. We could spend weeks, years mining the depths of the meaning of of this encounter and just these words, this praise coming off the lips of the seraph, holy, holy, holy. It is, and in fact, well, I wish we could spend so much more time because we don't have a, a linguistic tool to, to accomplish what is being accomplished in the Hebrew text here. We just throw words around. They're so cheap. You know, we, we can say, oh, guess what, man? Uh, d- did you hear that um, Chick-fil-A came, you know, has finally released their, uh, their peach uh, shake? And I had one today, and what's our response? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, come on, that's not, we throw the word awesome around, you know. Uh, uh, somebody, you know, has a, a great experience. I, I went outside and, and I was just so warmed. Oh, that is unbelievable. We throw language around, but that is not what has happened. That, that's not what is happening here. There is nowhere else in Scripture, um, there's no other description of God like this. In Hebrew you the way you emphasize something is through repetition and and it is unheard of for um, something to be described thrice uh, three times um, this attribute and yet this is what the seraphs are doing holy 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 holiness it it means something separate something apart Um, kadosh is the um, it's the Hebrew word, it means brightness. And, and so it's like you can't, you, you want to look, but you can't look. You, you have to look, but you'll get burned if you do look. It's, it's so attractive that it, you're overcome with it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Friends, that's what we need right now. We need to be captivated, not by a pandemic, not by the projections of, of, of future prophecies of what's gonna happen, but we need to know that there is a God who reigns on his throne, reigns over the universe, reigns from inside of us, who is holy, 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 not intimidated one iota with the condition of this world. And he, my friends, is at work and He is ruling. And we need to understand, how can we do that? We can simply look at creation. The whole earth is full of His glory. Well, what does He mean by that? His holiness it, it is, is evidenced by His glory throughout His creation. And it, what that means is it's everywhere around us. God is not hiding. Where is God right now? He, it's, he's not playing hide-and-go-seek. He is around us. We are just being blinded by the news of the day and by the fear and anxiety of our hearts. And what God is inviting us to this morning is to open our eyes to His glory. Look at the the trees turning green, the flowers budding. Smell the the hamburger, the steak on the grill. Smell the the, 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 um, um, vegetables and and fruits in your juicer and and understand it's the glory of God. Hear it in the giggle and the laugh of your six-month-old child, your six-month-old baby. Look around. His glory is everywhere. Take in His glory And move toward the worship of God it's all around us just like Dolby sound it is all around us we need an encounter with God but secondly to encounter God and the reason that we really need this encounter is to encounter God is to be undone by him in the best sort of way I don't know uh, I have a feeling uh, many of you especially men Uh, were tuned in to ESPN at 8 o'clock last Sunday night. Um, The Last Dance, the the story of the Chicago Bulls when MJ, Michael Jordan um, came on the scene. Um, This documentary kicked off last week and it'll continue uh, tonight. But um, so many things. I mean, we uh, we could do our own documentary on the documentary. It's really, really cool and fun to watch. But one thing that struck me in light of this text was how when MJ as a rookie showed up in the gym, uh, somebody said, I can't remember which player, but it was, it was everybody knew this guy was great. And, um, it, you know, it didn't take many games for them to understand that in the first season, uh, you know, he was trying to be a team player, uh, but they were losing and one game i can't remember who it was against um some of you know this much better than i but uh, it, there was a game at which he just it just kind of clicked he was like i'm done being a team player i'm taking this game over he scored 49 points now they lost uh but he's sc- he scored 49 points in the next game he, he scored close to 60. Um, unbelievable and and it was interesting to, to to listen to people around him um in in the presence of greatness Um, it it didn't, it it really propelled humility, if not despondency. Um, That kind of greatness doesn't just, it's not created in the gym. It's not, well, let me just go work out a few more times. Let me do a few more shoot-arounds. Let me, no, greatness is divine. Greatness is Um, God-given. And that is what happens in the presence of greatness. There's humility. There's a step back but it is a proper and good stepping back. Somebody talking trash to Michael Jordan is not confident they're foolish. Do you, do you get it? I mean, it's like you think you're a good runner and then you watch uh, the Berlin Marathon uh, 2019, which I actually did the other day. What, you know, got a lot of TV to watch right now. Um, and and, and the, the Ethiopian man that won it, won it in two minutes, I mean, excuse me, two hours and two minutes running sub five minute miles for 26.2 miles. That is greatness. I would never in my entire life even my, even come close to that. And, and, and therefore, you don't, you stand back, you're humbled by it. You, you, you say, woe is me if I'm putting my stock in, in greatness in that capacity. And that's what happens to Isaiah. He encounters the living God and he doesn't say, he doesn't say, awesome. He says, woe is me. He calls down curses on himself, for I am lost. I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He is undone in the midst of this greatness. And what we see is that God is not just, he's not just great In comparison to the seraphs he is all together he is in a class of his own this is greatness that even the greatness of the 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 trillions of angels in glory are just shadows and and pinches of this is greatness that that we can't even describe but there's something deep in our soul that wants to know and knows that we were created for to, to, to worship one like that It's what we're drawn to and whatever we're drawn to. He is the one behind it. That's His glory that we're really attracted to when we're attracted to an incredible meal, when we're attracted to a beautiful or handsome person when we're attracted to um, a career or a hobby, what we're really attracted to is this complex and beautiful and eternal God of glory, the one who is holy, holy, holy. And in his presence, our sin is exposed. And we must say, yes, we must say, yes, I am nothing. You say, Richard, this whole talk of sin, come on, aren't we past that in our, in our day? no. No, that's what's happening when we look at at Michael Jordan. We bow down. I mean, that's the kind of language we use. He is righteous. He's holy. He's set apart. And that's morally. And and in every other way, with our humanity, we say, no, we are not God. You are God. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of struggle. God, we we hear you. Be still and know that I am God. Stand before me. Confess your sins to me. Um, Speak of your shortcomings to me. You see, this kind of God is not the kind of God that we look to to affirm us in our perceptions of Him or our beliefs of Him. Uh, or our uh, theological assumptions of him he is a god that we stand and actually we kneel we fall face down before and we say you teach us we don't tell you what's right and wrong we don't tell you how your world works we don't tell you how to govern but we receive your governorship we receive your kingship we receive your authority because you are not some narcissistic ruler, you are holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the Lord God Almighty. And then thirdly, an encounter with God leaves you reconciled and sent. Charles Wesley um, wrote a hymn, And Can It Be, in the 1700s, and uh, and, and this stanza came to me, the fourth stanza came to me this week as I was reading and thinking through this. He writes, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. But thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke and the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose went forth and followed thee see this is the kind of encounter that Isaiah had with God and this is the kind of encounter that you and I can have with God because when we are convinced of his kingship and his holiness and therefore we're convinced of our sinfulness and our frailty and our dependency what we understand is that this is a God not rubbing our humanity and our face but dignifying our humanity with his sacrificial love and grace. This is a God that heals us through our repentance and faith. This is a God who makes us whole as he reorients um, our, our heart and our soul and our minds through conversion that we talked about Uh, a minute ago and even reconversion or uh, reaffirmation or uh, renewal of faith through a personal and relevant encounter with him and this is what we need because when we meet god and we see our sin what does he do he brings atonement the angel the seraph went to the altar and took um, a burning coal and touched it to isaiah's lips and he said he says your guilt is is done for. It's paid for. It's over. Your guilt is forgiven. And that is what our God has done because there is another one. There is another um, beautiful soul, the very Son of God, who burns our sin away in a different light because He took the fire upon Himself, the fire that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve. He said, father may it rain down on me in place of and in substitution for your children our, our people and the ones whom I love dear friends that is the, the gospel that we're seeing in this encounter and that's what happens when we encounter God he never leaves us in our guilt and shame He always delivers us he exposes us to reorient and to humble us that he might be God that he might be who he is and we might become who we are worshipers and yet redeemed and forgiven worshipers and all we must do is receive that encounter through faith that Jesus atoned for my sin that Jesus atoned for my shortcomings to reconcile me to God to make me his son, to make you his daughter, to reconcile us to God. That is what we need. And when we have that, we then want to serve this king. Who shall I send? I love this. God asking the question. Well, looking around, well, I wonder who I shall send. (laughs) And Isaiah says, send me, send me, here am I, send me. Dear friends, don't start with the send me. Start with an encounter with God and then you'll want to be sent. You'll want to serve. You will have to serve like the seraphs have to worship. They have no other choice but to worship because they're overcome with God. The pandemic has been disoriented, but this is a word, dear friends, this week that has released my soul to sing. It has released my soul from fear, From anxiety from worry and this is a message that can release your soul as well how might you come to God this morning just quickly here's some steps if you've never trusted God before or maybe if it's been a minute since you trusted God ask God to open your heart ask him to do that secondly read and reread this passage and mine every word. Be still and know that I'm God. Well, God speaks through His Word. Listen to Him. Don't try to create your own reality. Hear from Him in His Word. Thirdly, ask Him to reveal the ways you have offended Him. Fourthly, ask for and receive Jesus who has paid for your sin. Fifthly, receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers and receive His love for you. And lastly, find somebody Find, email me, Richard at Downtown Church, Michael at Downtown Church. Find somebody that you know can, can help you, can walk with you um, in this life of faith. I hope many will, will take action steps this morning to seek that kind of life of encounter with God because this is your hope and it's my hope. Pray with me. Our great God, we thank you this morning that you are good we thank you that you reign on high we thank you that you are holy 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 and you are not merely with us but in us oh god reign strongly in these days draw us as your people back to yourself god may you be on the throne of our hearts and our hopes and our desiring that we might know peace and rest oh god bring revival bring renewal in the land and in your world you have the attention of the world Oh God, we beg that Jesus would be lifted high and that many would be drawn unto him. Get glory, get fame for your son Jesus through this pandemic, we beg. And we do so in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dear friends, let's respond to this incredible message of hope and beauty. Um, And one way we can do that is by giving our lives, but also by giving of the things that God has given us. Um, If we would give of our money right now by uh, texting, all lowercase, downtown church, one word, downtown church, to uh, 73256. Text downtown church to 73256 and you're gonna see some options. The first option is congregational uh, giving slash tithe, and that is where the bulk, we, we ask that the bulk of your money go there because we are still paying our uh, nursery workers and, and those that aren't working right now, and we wanna keep doing that. Um, but also, if you go in the drop down, you'll see several options, but I want you to hone in on our Mercy Fund. Because this is the fund that we are using to uh, resource the needs in our church body and in our community. And we are only expecting those needs to multiply. Um, So please give, give generously, give in faith. um, And uh, let's all continue our worship as uh, not only we tithe, but we also worship in song as we sing Refiner.